Hi and welcome to episode 43 of Attention Place on Talking Stuff Network. I am Vikram Mohan. We are recording this on 2nd June 2019. With the elections done and dusted, our national obsession now moves back to cricket. Or has it? Hey, hey Arnab, welcome back. We are what, uh, four days in and uh, I, I still haven't watched a single match. Not sure if it's the IPL effect or that the matches are boring. But you seem to have had uh, more patience than me. Uh, having a good World Cup so far? No, I haven't actually watched a lot of the games so far. And the one of the reasons for that is because of the ungodly timings. Uh, since I'm in California, the games normally start at 2.30 at night. Um, and so by the time, and because the games have been so one-sided, most of the times when I wake up, it's already over. Uh, it's, it's, it's several of the games. It's either over as in actually over or <laughs> pretty much over. It is, it is at that point of time. So it, it, I've never felt this bad about a World Cup ever. I, I Even 2007 wasn't like this. Uh, it definitely wasn't like this. It became a terrible World Cup. But that was after India was eliminated. But this one, India hasn't even played a game. And I already feel, and I already want the World Cup to be over. It's the games have been just so one-sided. They have, they've been not, I mean, I've seen the highlights. I've seen all the highlights. And I know that highlights aren't, you know, typically a great way of, understanding the aesthetics of a, of a cricket game. I'll be the first person to accept. But they just, just, just seem to be... Only only one team seems to show up on in, in any match. And it could be happenstance. Maybe it'll become better. But the only game that I felt was even mildly interesting was the game with Pakistan and West Indies because of the way Andre Russell bowled. Now, normally, again, Andre Russell and I have a special bond because he plays for KKR. And he was—he looked still very mad at everyone. He looked very mad. His 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 four overs, and I think I, what I read was he broke down after that. And it's very significant when Andre Russell bowls four overs, and there's a significance of the four because that's exactly what he would bowl in a T20 game. So Andre Russell's entire thing is focused around T20. Even in a one-day game, he makes it into a T20. I once proposed that the only way Suresh Raina can become a great test player is if he wears a yellow CSK shirt underneath his white shirt and <laughs> forgets who he's playing for. I mean, if he could, I mean, he he couldn't score like, I mean, he, he did make a century on debut, but he couldn't make like 50 runs after that. So just close his eyes. I mean, he he's always good for 50 runs in, let's say, 30 balls or 35 balls. They didn't just do that. Let him not try to bat like a test batsman. And of course, that's he couldn't, and that's why his career never went anywhere. But with with coming back to Russell, I, I think he bowled that that four overs that he bowled. I actually watched the highlights, and then I went to see the live. I mean, there's Hotstar records the entire uh, entire game, which is available for some time. So I just went and saw those uh, four overs, and it was it that was really the high point. It's it says something about the World Cup that we've already had four or five games, and you know, of under Russell bowling is the highlight of that World Cup. Uh, having said that, I'm getting, you know, I might be dub. I hope I'm jinxing, I mean, reverse jinxing India, but I'm getting this really bad feeling about India this time. Uh, I know that we are one of the favorites, but somehow I just, I'm not just feel. I'm not feeling it in the way that I felt it. Even in the last World Cup, I, I, we, we felt it. Maybe it's because for some reason, India is playing their first game so, so late. 
I mean, many teams have have already played their second games. This will be South Africa's third game when India plays its first game. So I don't know what the, what the reason for that is. I also, and we'll come to that. Given the fact that BCCI apparently dominates cricket and does everything as it wants, I just don't know why India is not getting a weekend game, man. I <laughs> we should add, honestly, yeah, that, that's shocking. Why does it have Wednesday games, and why are we getting like uh, Afghanistan, Australia games on like in in Saturday in India? Like the the premium prime time is for Australia, Afghanistan. Tomorrow Sunday time is for Bangladesh and South Africa. Like, given the fact that cricket has apparently been you know sold to Kuwait and, and nothing is cricket anymore, why are these games on prime time? I just somebody's totally lost it. Okay, so I, Australia, England, yes. India Pakistan yes India any game actually right. in, actually India Afghanistan better game because that's perhaps only one that India possibly can win i'm not sure about that too so again with india i'm just worried about rohit sharma and shikhar dhawan that's the main real worry if if they don't fire it's all down to dhoni and kohli and i just don't think given the way that some of the other teams are playing that india has stands a chance in 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 the top 4 i want to be proven wrong and i hope i'm reverse jinxing india but I haven't had a, you know, and then again, the, the cricket has been pretty lousy. I don't think it's a T Twenty effect. I mean, I, I personally, I, I, I do find myself nowadays either enjoying T Twenty or Test cricket. I think one day falls somewhere in the middle, so it's exactly. neither here nor there. But it's still it's World Cup. So the the thing is, it might not be, it might not watching a one day game might not be the same thing as watching a one day game in the nineties, but. It, the world cup has a storied history uh, so you tend to watch it not so much for the game but what it means in the significance of the you know the larger history of cricket and it's just been solely solely uninspiring so far me and my friends were having a conversation and it actually took us a couple of minutes to remember who's the current champion i mean we were like oh was it australia or was it it actually took us a couple of minutes to realize oh yeah it, it was australia yet again it as bad australia. as it seems considering we don't have a super 6 this year it's going to be direct uh, you know round robin and direct to the semi finals uh, let me put you on the spot uh, who do you see in the semis so i on on uh, so before the tournament began i had tweeted and i before the i started by it england was obviously the champion obviously right. the favorites which possibly means they won't win it um because they by far and it's a song by far they have the best team in the world for one day internationals there's no doubt about it and especially in english conditions it might be a slightly different in india i don't think so because the thing with the with the english team is that it's good for 400 i mean it has that amount it has that quality of players and because after england's drubbing in the 20 to a last world cup where they looked ter- terrible uh, they, they were still playing cricket in the way that in that people used to play cricket in 1987 they were still playing cricket like that you know have a solid 50 runs in 10 overs and then accelerate and they were seemed so far behind they bolit they were like rahul gandhi in the sense they, they didn't even seem to be interested in winning at that point of time they just didn't have and england has totally reinvented itself with its with, it has a brand of cricket i can't even believe i'm saying this that england has a brand of cricket now in that they essentially play 50 overs as if it were you know two and a half 20 over games 
that's how they play it now yeah, exactly. and there are some days when it might not work but most importantly because and also because i think the english english domestic in, uh, you know they were very very uh, reluctant to let their players play in ipl i mean when uh, when flintoff first played there was a lot of resentment of flintoff playing in ipl and of flintoff was almost, i mean he never made an impact here but now that's it's changed now the now the english administration actually wants their players to play in t20 leagues across the world and i think it is i mean butler is even 2 years ago he wasn't this batsman he was an he was a good batsman he was a, he was a very attacking wicketkeeper but he's nowhere close to the butler that we see today this butler is like abdv in his prime in terms of what he can do and just just the just the uh just the depth of batting that they have and there was only one thing that they lacked i felt was a very very penetrating pace bowler that i felt that they lacked and england basically <laughs> bought that to they, they outsourced that to and, uh, <laughs> and i they just at the very last moment uh, they flew in an in, in the engineer from india uh, kind of in cricket terms and i think you know with with jofra archer who's who's genuinely a force in this kind of in in, in this pitches and so far we haven't seen one of those i mean we saw them in the practice games but in any of the world cup games we haven't really seen a very good batting track yet i mean they've all had quite a bit for the bowlers through through and through so he somebody like jofra archer that was the only thing they were missing and now they have that so number 1 is england uh number 2 i would say would be australia because uh, it's in australia is no longer the australia that it used to be but i still feel that for the conditions they have a very good team and people forget but i i'm a huge uh, fan of cummings i think he's he's the ideal kind of bowler that he might become the stark of this world cup you know i, I put my i would if in a in the fantasy games i always uh, power bp him always because i think he he has it in him in, in this conditions to be a superstar and i think the australian team just looks very very balanced and they, you know they had a very dominating performance today uh, you know the the return of the return of david warner especially the kind of season that he had for ipl i know that david warner in ipl and david warner outside is a different but he's he's kind of i don't think smith is still there yet i think smith has lost in this year he's lost some of his you know coliesk form i think he's lost he'll maybe find it back now but warner was amazing he just kind of got banned stepped in and boom he was there from day one uh so that i think australia would be my number 2 number 3 was emotional choice i said india to cover myself so that if when india wins people don't take a screenshot of my tweet and said you said india would lose <laughs> but but the fact is i i'm not sure about india i'm really not sure i mean about a year or so ago i would have possibly put india as like an definitely would have put india in the top 3 but i don't think that in the last year some of the some of their especially in the in the series against australia they just 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 didn't they just didn't look it and i don't think that any of the indian cricketers are coming off a great ipl season either it's very important for you to come off this good rhythm uh you know kohli didn't have a good ipl season rohit sharma didn't have a good ipl season shikhar dhawan kind of had a good ipl season but shikhar dhawan you know he's always dicey 
uh, for anything. Uh, Dhoni has been, so that's when I'm coming to it. I mean, the entire thing depends on Dhoni at this point of time. And Dhoni had a great IPL season, of course. And he still had a, he scored a century in one of the practice games. So, you know, it's, it's really all up to him. And I just, that, that itself makes me believe that India will not make it through. Because you cannot expect Dhoni at this point of time to, to anchor your batting. Uh, that has never been the case. Dhoni all his life has never played as the primary batsman. Uh, there was always like three or four better batsmen than him in the team. But that that's that's really my principal worry. My fourth should, should we pull a should we pull a Congress and uh, maybe bring back Sachin? Yeah, Sonia Gandhi style, yeah. So Sachin, the Sunil Gavaskar, Kapil Dev. Uh, but <laughs> in the fourth team, I, I in the beginning the tournament began, I said South Africa. And I immediately regret having said that after watching them back. Because uh they they you know, I don't know if you saw the you know, the way Hashim Amla got injured. So Hashim Amla got injured because he basically was late into a bouncer. This was not a good bouncer. He was just late moving into it. And it was just the awkwardness with which, which he played it. Because somebody like Hashim Amla isn't awkward ever. I mean, he's technically very correct. And just to watch him, you know, just to watch him not... You know, he looked like Suresh Rana, actually. Which was very, very worrying for me. <laughs> you see, this is like Arjun dropping his Gandhiv kind of moment. This is not, I got out. This is this is symptomatic of something deeper. His time is over. That's what I'm worried about. And I just don't feel that South Africa, I mean, they're, they're a good team. Uh, I mean, there's, they, have, they, have, they have a very good lineup, but it doesn't have that exceptional thing. I can't see that team, you know, putting up a 350 score. 350 plus scores regularly. There just isn't, there, there's no ABDV, there's no ABDV factor in it. You know, with, a, with ABDV, you always knew that, you know, anything can happen at any point of time. Nothing is impossible. With the South African team, it's it's back. It's not the Cronia team either. It's not that good. It is possibly one of the weakest South African teams I can remember having seen. I mean, it doesn't have somebody of the caliber of Kalis or anybody. It just, just doesn't, it just doesn't, I mean, it was making the, it depends on Decock. You know, it's just on Decock and, you know, to an extent, Duplessis. But Duplessis, I never considered him as a guy who wins you a World Cup. He's not that kind of a batsman. He's a, he is, he's like a Deepak Tijori batsman. Uh, he's, he's that, you know, he needs, he needs, he's a second fiddle batsman. He needs somebody else uh, in order for him, you know, he, you never, you never come across on oh, no, this series. It was like our eyes couldn't leave. ABD, uh, I mean, uh, uh, Duplessis, he's, he's not that batsman. So I regret having said uh, number four. I, I would like to modify that to New Zealand. <laughs> because okay, uh, <laughs> because New Zealand does look the part. I think New Zealand does look the part. New Zealand is always very good in World Cups. I, I think they have one of the best. If you look from 1975, they've consistently had some of the best uh, records, I believe. And I'm, I haven't looked at the stats, but I'm pretty much sure that based on my unscientific, you know, memory data analytics, they've never done badly in any, any World Cup. And because they've always had this like very good fielding team, a lot of all-rounders, and they still have that. Uh, and I think that unlike previous New Zealand teams, they have they have people with character now. They don't have a Brendan McCullum. That's true. But, I mean, Brendan McCullum was 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 huge. I mean, he was like the ABDV of, of South Africa. Um, but they still do have, I feel, at least as my fourth team, 
they would i would they would be fourth i mean i can always say pakistan but pakistan and so the other two teams have pakistan and west indies with pakistan it can always happen they can always pakistan is you can never say based on their caliber i mean forget the 90s team but after that pakistan don't really have the lineup to say okay this team deserves to win the world cup or deserves to make the final four they don't they have a pretty crappy 11 but with pakistan you never know um it's, it's again it's an all or nothing team uh and which leaves west indies now i'm i'm a huge fan of this west indies team i think this west indies team i don't know have you have you seen yeah i absolutely have you seen sheho bat the, the in, in this this west indies team is like taking us back to the 80s and uh, yeah. you know so, back to the viv richard style of batting yeah so so shay hope is actually very different in terms of like if you look at the modern west indian batsmen look look at the look at the best west indian batsmen in the last few years chris gale is extremely unorthodox and terrible to watch terrible to watch very unorthodox very effective of course in what he's done and he's a legend uh, in t20 there's no his numbers are legendary and even now you know how old is he he just barely walks i mean he just walks across nowadays he doesn't run but you know even that you know 50 or something he makes and he, this is this this is not easy to do to have this level of hand eye coordination even at this age because there is no technique right in the way he plays his foot moves away this is absolutely out of the mc this is not what the mcc cricket coaching manual tells you and what happens with these kinds of unconventional players is that their form deteriorates and drops away suddenly at some point of time it happened to sehwag he was going with great great and suddenly boom he was gone and uh, he started wearing specs and he was gone because you know this hand eye coordination is this so much a big part of their game that if it goes off by millisecond their game is finished unlike for instance a sachin or a gavaskar so even when their best times are gone they can survive for years based on their technique um and and and, and gail is not that but shay hope has that very old greenage greenage uh, richards kind of shot making style it's a very classical shot making style but it's it's very robust there's there's no, no andre russell kind of baseball hitting or this none of that so he's very very classical in the way he bats but he's a very exciting batsman to watch and i hope he becomes he becomes the I, i'm hoping that he becomes like the breakout star because some people still don't know shay hope i mean he didn't play ipl i don't know why he didn't play ipl is he did, i mean what's the deal with shay hope is he like the rahul gandhi of west indies or something he has a political party to lead and why why wasn't he in second raga reference so far though <laughs> why wasn't he in ipl i have no friggin clue does he not want money what's wrong with him so i, I don't know he wasn't I, i presume he wasn't even in the auctions because i i'm pretty sure he wasn't bid on so uh, unless he was injured but he's obviously you know pretty sure mumbai indians will buy him next time there's no doubt about it uh so i'm but i just don't think that the west indies can consistently win games they will also have their bad days uh but i might be proven wrong i mean the fourth slot could be west indies also because they definitely do have the side for it india again i'm i'm not sure okay we have talked about the uh, world cup for quite a bit but i wanted to move to another cricket related topic which is uh hasan minaj's uh patriot act's latest episode uh on on cricket so it was rather strange actually so for those of you don't know so the hasan minaj is a is this a rather likable pretty good comedian who 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 got his chops on the daily show and he was a daily show reporter and he's he has his own show on netflix where he basically every it's 
he, he takes some topic and does a you know a factual topic and he does he has his research team do some research and then he has his distinct style of presenting and th- these things are nowadays very important these comedy news shows because i i read some survey that an inordinately large number of people in the us at least no longer watch conventional news they they get their news from comedy so this is this is actually very influential it's not it's not just you know okay guys saying things these these things now have some significance because of the sheer audience that they potentially get and you know he's as i said i like nasan minaj i really want to root for him he's he's an he's an indian origin guy um and he's a, he's likable he comes across as very intelligent a camera loves him he's a good looking guy too and yet he he does this so when when i first saw that he was doing a show on ipl and i was little surprised i mean why why would the american audience care for this and i first thought it was he did he just do this on youtube because i first got it as a notification on youtube and then i said no this this was actually an episode where he talks about cricket uh, so i so i saw the show and the show could be summarized as essentially bcci bashing now i am no big so again i i i found it a little strange and i if if i was one of the audience members who had kind of come in expecting a show i don't you know perhaps on uh the abortion bill in alabama and then i come in and see this guy is talking about cricket i perhaps would be a little disappointed but given that there is absolutely no significance for me but you know nowadays in the us it's now increasingly become fashionable that when you are a minority when you are uh, you know like hasan minaj you know an indian a brown guy it's important that you bring in something of your heritage if you don't bring in your heritage then tomorrow slate will say that this guy is is his comedy is white okay which is really the which is really the kiss of death nowadays in in the us for anything to be given that label so i understand and it's very good that you know he brings in his own cultural references he brings in own culture and it's in and it's in it's needed also because in america i have always felt unlike in britain and, and, and other places in europe that america just doesn't like to look outside america it's never wanted to and especially with respect to indian and south asian culture it is i mean you go to canada this is very specific to the us you go to canada you walk in toronto you see like a bhangra place you know disco with the total disco for bhangra you don't see anything like that anywhere in the us okay there's nothing like that for south asian culture south asian culture does not in a way exist in the us which is perhaps the only place in the world where it doesn't exist so it's good to see hasan minaj bringing that in it's 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 great so you know props to him for doing that but this this episode was essentially fake news okay. it wasn't it was basically wrong information being presented and again you can say this is comedy but you know this is not a stand up routine that he's doing you know when you're doing stand up routine you you of course can exaggerate you can stereotype and you know the main thing is to get a laugh so it's okay if if you look and try to do a fact check on a comedy routine then you you're doing a fact check on the wrong thing but this wasn't that this was actually touted as a news show and he he does research and most of the things he says are true and he he might have his own interpretation of it but they're true but this one wasn't really true on many of the things so first of all for those of you who haven't seen it the basic thing was that the bcci is an evil force which dominates world cricket i am not a big fan of bcci okay never been um but the the whole thing was essentially uh, the wonderful better word not founded on anything really 
So their main thing was the BCCI dominates decision making. It gets the most revenue of the amount of money that comes out from cricket. That is because, and he says so, but he doesn't present it in that way. That is because India provides the bulk of the audience for cricket nowadays. I just don't understand why, why he expects or why he's so shocked that the money that comes from cricket does not get equitably distributed to all the countries. I, I mean, I, this just doesn't make any sense. For instance, in, in Patriot Act, are the revenues from Patriot Act equally distributed among everybody on the crew? Does the guy who bring in Hassan Minaj's coffee get the exact same amount that Hassan Minaj does? No, of course they, they don't. And I don't think anybody expects it. Hassan Minaj headlines the show. If Hassan Minaj, if they change Hassan Minaj to Kapil Sharma, nobody will watch the show in the US, right? So Hassan Minaj brings in a value. It is not the it's not the script. So it is it is Hassan Minaj that people you know tune in to watch. So he he, he justifiably makes great, gets greater share of the revenue from that, and it's obvious it's it's true everywhere, right? But then why isn't it true for BCCI? What's what's wrong in it? Again, one could you know, carp and cavil on it. But then he drops in something which is absolutely untrue, which is he says that during Monkey Gate, which, you know, if you're listening to this show, I don't need to tell you what that was. That it says India forced Australia to apologize. He said after Indians players racially abused an Australian, they forced Australia to ap- apologize. Now, the reason why he brings this up is racism is a hot button topic. He could have brought out a gazillion number of other things, but he doesn't bring them up. Okay? He brings this one up. Without telling his audience, who obviously have absolutely no idea of what they're talking about, that first of all, India never forced Australia to apologize. Australia never apologized. The onus was, was Harbhajan Singh guilty or not? And he was proven or whatever it was proven to be innocent. Okay, So there was no question of making Australia apologize. This was absolutely wrong. Okay. Second thing is he does not present the Indian side of the story at all. He does not say he, he, he takes it as a fact which was again not a fact because he was not convicted of it. So it was not a fact. He takes the allegation and presents it as a fact and does not even provide a one-line punch joke about what Harbhajan Singh said about why he said it. He doesn't say it. And even more so, the fact is that any Indian, and Hassan Minaj of, of all people should know this because he's Indian, is that Simons would never be seen as a black man by an Indian. He wouldn't. This is a distinction in Australia because from his Aboriginal origins. But he, nobody would consider him that in India. So this is not saying that Indians aren't racist. They are. But you know, in many cases, they are racist. Like any, anybody, any, any country in the world, they're racists. And they're racists in India too. There's no doubt about it. But that doesn't mean that this incident was undisputedly an, an incident of racism. He had an obligation to present both sides of the story. And he doesn't. And that I felt was disgraceful. And in talking about the different shenanigans in cricket, he absolutely totally skips over betting. He does not talk about, you know, he mentions it with respect to CSK, Chennai Super Kings, but he doesn't mention the fact that Chennai Super Kings were convicted and they were banned for two years for doing that. The entire team was dissolved. He doesn't mention that. He doesn't mention the fact that, yes, bad things happen, but people pay a price for it, like anywhere in the world. Okay, Nobody can prevent bad things from happening. I think the only expectation that people can have is that when bad things happen, some punishment or some retribution happens as a result of that. And that happened. He totally skips over that. And he does not mention for even one time, he doesn't mention the name Pakistan. In, in, a, 
in an episode about the shenanigans of cricket in which betting comes up. He does not talk about the single largest country, which is the most number of convicted players, convicted, not accused, convicted, spending time in jail for betting, does not mention that country, does not mention a single incident of it at all. And that, again, is absolutely scandalous. And that leads the question as to why? Why? And I don't know why that is the case. I think the problem with with much of, and this is not just a problem with India, it is that you can only you can only be considered to be good if you bash your own country. And again, this India is not Hassan Minaj's country at all. He, I think he's an American citizen. He might, you know, he might have come there when he was he was very young. So, but he ha- and this is this is strange because not all minorities in the U.S. context are judged as to how hard they fall. They are they basically fall hard on their roots. It doesn't happen to other people, for instance. Um, it doesn't happen. Uh, for people with African roots, for instance, they're not expected to diss their roots. It's only Indians who are expected to diss their roots, you know, by liberals and by conservatives alike. So you have, for instance, you know, a Bobby Jindal uh, who who has to, we all know about Bobby Jindal. But, you know, what I find amazing is Kamala Harris. Kamala Harris is, you know, she's one of the presidential candidates. She she says she's African American, and that she says that her mother. She, so she she is so her dad and her her dad is Jamaican. Her mother is Tamil Indian. Uh, they married. They divorced. Um, she was brought up by her mother, and so she wants to tell us that she her mother brought her up in African American culture. That's how, that's how she presents herself. And there was a controversy and she went on a radio show and they were asking her about what kind of rap music she listened to. So she talked about, you know, I, I listened to so-and-so rap music. And of course, people found out within minutes that the rap artists that she were talking about were not making records. I think she talked about Snoop Dogg when she was in college. So obviously she wasn't listening to them. She just said it. I'm pretty sure she was listening to Carnatic music at that point of time, which is why, of course, she can't say that. So she has to, because she's running for president of, U, of, of US, so she cannot say, uh, because I just I just feel it is very unlikely that, that her mother, who was, I believe, a Tamil Indian, I mean, brought her up in the African-American style and not in an Indian Hindu style. But she can't say that. And I think this, this, this desire in America, and I've, is that, no, this this again. This doesn't get brought up as much, but America is a very very majoritarian country, and majoritarian in the sense that the definition of what a majority is has changed. It used to be white. Now it has changed to white African Americans, Hispanics. But it's still a country. Even the liberals will say this is their country. Okay, these people is their country. I think Indians are still on the fringe. And I don't think that you can get acceptance. And I people will say, oh, this is conspiracy theory. Oh, you're, you're, you're extending yourself. But I've seen it time and time again. I see this with Hassan Minaj. I see this again. Hassan Minaj, uh, okay. Kamala Harris is running for presidency. She's running to be the president. She's otherwise, she's a very good candidate, I would say, uh, to, be the, to, to be a president. I mean, she would make a much better uh, first woman president for the US than uh, Hillary Clinton. But you know this 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 kind of negation this kind of denial of roots 
in in case of Hasan Minaj, the desire to even use again, if if uh, Kamala Harris does not want to identify herself as Indian, again, ultimately it's her choice. I can only speculate on her motivations. I cannot you know criticize her. I mean, I can criticize her, but in ultimately it is her choice. If she if she doesn't want to be called an Indian or doesn't want, that's her choice. But with Hasan Minaj, he doesn't have the choice. He doesn't have the choice of truth. He doesn't get the chance. He get, doesn't get the choice to present only one side of the story. He doesn't get that choice. He has to be fair. He can. He can. He, he's free to choose the topics if he wants. He's free to exclude Pakistan, as I he did, from from the ambit of countries which have brought, uh, uh, which, which have blackened the name of cricket. You know, he he's free to do that. But he's definitely not free to. Uh, not present India's side of the story, and he's definitely not free to lie about India forcing Australia to apologize. For me, I think the biggest complaint is that he's made us defend BCCI. I mean, God knows all of us detest BCCI, but actually, he's with, with this show, he's made us actually stand up for BCCI, for God's sake. Yes, we, we, because we, we have to stand up against BCCI because after all, our house is our house. <laughs> that this it's that kind of thing yeah sure. <laughs> as 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 uh, i think the greatest example of that is when we during vanvas uh, I, there was a time when uh, the when the pandavas were were in exile and uh, the the kauravas got into some kind of trouble with the gandharvas and the gandharvas came and uh, took them prisoner and when the news came, uh, Arjun or Bhim said, you know, very good. They they had it coming. And Yudhishthir said, no, they, we have to go and release your brother. He said, why should we? He said, because we might be 105 but between ourselves, but to the world, we are 105. And we are all brothers. So we have to stick together when somebody else does it to us. So I think that's, that's a very noble sentiment. And... Uh, I think that's that. That's what's what. That's what leads us to defend BCCI, which I'm absolutely not comfortable doing. I mean, BCCI is a terrible organization. However, I don't feel it's wrong for India here to get a share of revenue of the whole ICC coffers based on the amount of revenue it brings in. It's it is. This is the way capitalism works. You know, in any company, the guy who brings in the biggest sales gets the biggest bonus it doesn't get split otherwise you don't you can't retain the good salesman so i just don't see it as a problem at all you know at all i mean in, in a company different people get paid different amounts i mean it's based on a value that the company assigns to them it doesn't mean that the guy this guy is working 8 hours or perhaps 60 hours a week and then other guy is also working 60 hours a week but it's just that the company decides to put more value on this guy's 60 hours than that guy's 60 hours. They think this guy's 60 hours is more important to the business than this guy's 60 hours. It doesn't mean that the other guy's 60 hours or 40 hours isn't valuable or that the company can survive without that. Just like India cannot survive without other teams. If it just becomes BCCI, there is no cricket. So we understand that everybody else is needed. And another, another thing which he said was an untruth was that India is is not allowing is not allowing the globalization of the game because apparently it would dilute india's share or something that's also absolutely bs 
the only time where india has prevented people from playing is in the world cup because of the reason that and you know they they haven't been successful because we have had terrible games but it's just because of revenue because people don't want to watch seven games of top level countries blasting holland they just don't want to watch it that's the reason why you know we we've had this this format this time and i think it works i don't want to see bad games because we've already seen bad games with sri lanka involved in it and sri lanka are at this point of time playing like nepal so it it devalues the entire tournament okay just one team which is being thrashed by all opposition it just destroys the whole tournament not to speak of two or three teams like that so again hasan minaj could have said that but he should have also have presented the other side of the story which he didn't and that is that is condemnable given the fact that he is ultimately doing a news show and so many people follow him and so many people in the world now just get their news that is the only news they will get they will not get any other news than from his comedy show okay so uh moving on to the next topic so uh cabinet of the cabinet was you know coming back to indian politics uh, sonia gandhi returns of course i mean this is uh to the congress i just don't i it's it's we've talked about this many times and we i guess we'll talk about it many times more but the congress just doesn't seem to get it it just doesn't seem to get it it's it's it is like you know we are getting sachin tendulkar back or getting and sachin tendulkar back and sonia gandhi back are different in the sense that sachin tendulkar actually is was a great cricketer that's the difference between sachin and this is the, this is the big dif- big problem with this metaphor uh i do, i think the congress is doing bjp a great favor uh we discussed this whole notion of stories last time and i i'm pre- planning to write a blog on that to to kind of you know take it down and i think that the congress is further damning its own story by uh, by doing this i understand that the value of the gandhis comes from the fact that they are the congress's biggest fundraisers that is uh, really the reason why they have to come back to gandhis uh again and again uh, but they have no future and it is important it is important for this country to have a functioning opposition i think regrettably leaving aside bjp i think what has come out of this two elections is that if you take congress out there is no national opposition i mean congress is barely a national party but at least there is name recognition across states for congress they still have it they were going to lose it soon yes but they at least have that i don't think i think the failure of the mahagathbandhan the failure of it to even take off shows that there is no other pan indian alternative other than congress so it's very important for this functioning of our democracy i mean it's it's great to watch congress crash and burn i mean it's fun it's like it's like watching a joginder shelly movie um but it is it is also it is also a bad thing for indian democracy if the congress implodes like this because it is because they unfortunately unfortunately they're still the only other game in town other than and you can say regional parties regional parties are good at the state level okay any idea in kya dmk but they can't rule the center mamata banerjee can't rule the center mamata banerjee now can barely lo- rule her state actually also 
but uh, they can't rule the center uh, you know our our media has tried at different points of time to project an alternative i mean at first it was kejriwal in 2014 we know where that went um and now they try with kanhaiya kumar they try with somebody with they try some new face uh and try to spin a story around that guy because in they also realize the power of stories and uh, unfortunately uh, kejriwal couldn't live up to his story you know they they did give him a pretty good story but this man basically screwed it up for himself and uh, i don't think kanhaiya kumar has screwed it up as so much i mean he lost an election that's fine he he's, he still can do it he's young he's a new phd student so he's uh and post docs are never fun so i think he can still do it but uh i i i haven't lost hope for him and i haven't lost hope for for the indian media to prop him up as the great opposition to narendra modi but i'm really really doubt that he can carry the entire country he just cannot the only party which can carry the entire country is the congress because it has done it before that's why because you know people will are more likely to entrust something to someone that they have seen them do before but unfortunately it is not going to happen with the gandhis at the helm whether it be sonia or rahul or mr pink panther or uh, indira gandhi duplicate like it doesn't happen it won't, won't work with any of them arnab considering that the congress break offs like let's say even tmc right now is on the back foot and we've got uh, sharad pawar also not exactly setting fire maybe uh, again in the interest of a good opposition it might be a time for the grand reassimilation of uh, all the congress with its break off uh, parties the problem with congress is the unfo- this is this is really one of the things that the gandhi family has always done is that they have prevented anybody else from creating their own story so narsimha rao tried he got a good time but it, his failing was that he couldn't create a good sto- he didn't couldn't create a great story for his own you know for for his legacy to continue which is why he was he his flame was burnt out by by the gandhis the problem with with congress is that yes there have been several times when the congress has split and those who have split have become diminished as a result this is really what's led to this this kind of uh, this the, the the brand equity let's say of the gandhis that you know what without us you're nothing and successive generations have proven it that you you can you know you when you're with congress when you're under the gandhi family you can you can get even your seats you can make your money but once you decide to split away from the family you'll be nothing and that has happened so far because i think it has happened because the congress has been like that because and i think that the bjp and i've said this before this is what amit shah and modi are also trying to work towards that and that is really the reason why there is so much tension in the bjp between the old timers and 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 amit shah and modi because they are trying to make the bjp like somewhat like congress at its best in the sense that there is no other leader other than modi other than modi nobody has a story Nitin Gadkari was trying it was very obvious he was trying but he just couldn't do it right and now he's now he's not going to talk for a long time anymore so i think that that the bjp is moving the party to where because that's a very comfortable place to be in i mean if you can do it it's a comfortable place to be in it's just that the congress just can't do it anymore not with this current gang not with the gandhi family what it has been reduced to okay so this is this is like the mughal dynasty you know in the time of shah rangila okay that's the, this thing you know sure they carry the mughal the mughal dynasty name but they're no aurangzeb okay they're no aurangzeb anymore that's gone 
They're more Bahadur Shah Zafar than anything else. All right. Cabinet allocations. Again, I think there were three. I mean, Sushma Swaraj not being there wasn't a surprise. I think she herself had said that she didn't want to be there because of her health issues. I don't think that there was any any hurry for anybody to remove her. Uh, even Jetli, uh, he wrote into uh, excuse. Yes. Yeah, so Jetli and Sushma Suraj, again, there are health reasons. I don't know if Jetli would have made it in if he was healthy. I don't know about that. I think there was sufficient uh, there was sufficient heartburn about Jetli within within the within BJP, and because of his closeness to uh, people in the Congress, uh, that that Jetli might have had trouble. And this is this is best for everyone concerned. Sushma Suraj, I think, as we have discussed, you know, she she emerged as you know, the last five years is like a social media superstar. And uh, I think that she would have been, she would have been a very good addition. Um, and she would have, I think nobody had any problem with her because I think Susma Suraj, unlike the other old hands in BJP had kind of made her peace with the way the party was going. I mean, it was, it was obvious she wasn't entirely happy with it, but unlike others, you know, the, the Yashwan Sinas of the world who've kind of uh, like, <clears throat> ultra possessive exes who have refused to move on uh, i think she moved on kind of and she accepted what that you know the party has changed and you know she she was she was close to the amit shah modi thing without being very close and i think that with sushma swaraj gone i think the break with the old party is finally complete uh, which brings us to jayan sinha i think it's fairly obvious why jayan sinha was is not going to be a minister anymore because of his dad. I think his dad uh, did sufficient PR damage. I, I always wondered why Jensen even is, I mean, he won a seat, but I just don't think that, you know, Jensen is, he's lost the trust of liberals. But, but uh, wouldn't it be a good way of uh, trolling Yashwan Sinha though? Excuse me? Wouldn't it be a good way to troll uh, Yashwan Sinha, making him criticize his own son? No, and, he was uh, doing that in, in any ways. I mean, that was not providing him. That was not providing. But yes, but uh, but Jan Sinha wasn't criticizing his dad back either. I mean, if he if he if he if he decided if he did done that move where he where he went against the family, then I think he might have kept his seat. He might have kept his ministership. But I think he also, and again, I understand that he also was rather silent. His dad wasn't silent though. And so I think that somebody would have to pay for that. And uh, there's really not, not nothing they can do to the senior anymore. I mean, he's going to do whatever he does. So I think that Jan Sinha, and, and then Jan Sinha didn't, didn't end, essentially endear himself to the left liberal media either, right? With his, with his garlanding of, uh, of, of that guy. Uh, so he, he's basically, he's nowhere. He is, he's not going to make it to the extreme right of the party. He's just not that kind of a guy. Uh, and he's, he's all his, his dad has been burning his bridges for him. So I think the Jansen's time anyways, and in a kind of BJP where, uh, in a more Congress kind of leadership where loyalty to Amit Shah and Modi is of, is of importance. I just didn't see him for his future, which brings me to possibly the most surprising omission, which is that of Suresh Prabhu. Because I don't know, I, I have no idea as to what the angle for that was. But there was definitely an angle for, for that. I mean, he did get, I mean, his, his tenure as a railway ministership wasn't great, right? And he was transferred over to civil aviation, where he was okay. And I just, 
I just don't understand any, you know, why, because he's pretty a non-controversial guy. And uh, I guess we will never, at least I personally do not have any idea as to what the story was. What? Uh, he was in HRD too, right? First, first time, oh. Suresh Prabhu. He was, again, I keep forgetting, but I kind of remember him as a pretty bad railway minister, at least. Yep, yep, yep. I think he replaced uh, Smriti Rani as uh, HRD after uh, she was taken off the job. Wasn't, wasn't he civil aviation? when? Uh, I forget. Maybe, maybe I, I think it was HRD. Okay, maybe I'm mistaken. I keep on thinking that she, he went to civil aviation after that. But okay. Um... So the last thing that you well not the last thing but uh, I think it, I think it was Prakash Javadekar. Excuse me, Prakash Javadekar was HR, right? Yes, 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 yes. Suresh Prabhu was uh, civil aviation, if I'm not wrong. Again, I'm... yes, yes, yes. You're right. Okay. So the last thing that it is, you know, we have to return to Bengal politics. My favorite topic in the world after Gunda, and there's not much difference. I do not ask you one thing between the two either. I think, but. Uh, go on. I, I do have to ask you one thing too. Yeah. That uh, folks on WhatsApp, the WhatsApp intellectuals, they are on fire about Amit Shah's home minister. Any thoughts? As in Amit Shah was himself once uh, once in trouble with the law <laughs> and now he's the home minister. First of all, Amit Shah has been effectively been the home minister for a long time. So uh, welcome. Uh, second is, again, I, I just don't... Th- see the the relation between his you know his past and his becoming a home minister I mean, he's been elected now i understand that 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 doesn't expiate his sins i understand that and i think that the problem with amit shah is irrespective of what he does is that he's a deeply polarizing partisan figure and i, I don't begrudge uh, the resentment against him but the fact is this is what this is what it is and uh, other than him being the shadow home minister, I think it's good that he's taken over. Uh, he's taken over the home ministership. This this also means that uh, the BJP will be now more free to. I think the focus of of this election. I think in the last election it was more this sabka saath sabka vikas, and this was more on an you know defense and a, a, you know defending the homeland kind of thing, and I think that. Given the BJP's base, given the BJP's you know strong message of nationalism, it just makes a total sense for uh, for Amit Shah as opposed to Mr. Karininda uh, to get this portfolio. So of course I know that you know people are pissed, but people are pissed because Modi won and India proved that it's 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 it's, it's a terrible country, and then unfortunately that's what democracy does. And we'll have a show once. Uh, Someday, I was hoping it would be this one, but uh, we've talked too much for us to go into that. But essentially, a critique of democracy. This is, you know, to summarize the thing is that um, the fact that democracy sucks when the other guy comes into power is this has been a conundrum as old as the hills. And this is, if you've re- read Greek philosophy, you would know that this is one of the fundamental things about Plato. Plato in the Republic. This was the essential, one of the essential problems. This was really comes again to uh, the reason why Socrates was killed. Uh, because they were essentially critiquing democracy. They were saying that 
that democracy it is, as it exists uh, comes to the rule of the mob. This, this is really what people say once their side doesn't win, essentially. But again, I, I would give I would give Plato and Socrates a little bit more credit uh, than Guptaji, of course, and, and and their ilk, of course. But 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 I, I, we'll spend an episode someday in, in terms of deconstructing what they said, what their critique about democracy was, and Plato had a very very interesting solution for it. Again, it is wholly impractical because, of course, it's a philosopher's solution. But it is extremely attractive in the sense that it essentially solves the basic problem that exists in democracy. And we'll we'll talk about that some other time. Uh, Which brings me to Mamata Banerjee's latest. uh, I don't know if you guys have been watching, but she's been having a number of well-publicized meltdowns on video. (laughs) And she's got... Yes. So one of the big problems is that nowadays when she drives past, especially in areas where uh, the BJP has won, people are trolling her by shouting Jai Shri Ram. Now in Bengal, there is one thing that there are two people who, you know, according to legend, uh, when you see a ghost, you say Jai Shri Ram, and then the ghost apparently vanishes. So so ghosts have, so just like in, in Western, in Western horror, uh, in the ethos, uh, the the cross drives away the vampire. In Bengali ghost ethos, I don't know if it's it's common in other parts of India. It's uh, the mention of the word Ram that drives away ghosts. Yeah, I mean that's supposed to get Hanuman beside you, and who scares away the ghost? No, in, in I mean, Bengal, at least that's what my granny told. In, in Bengal, it's Ram. It's always that you say Ram Nam, and yeah, so if you say Ram, Hanuman Hanuman is automatically there. And we, I don't think we in Bengal we don't make the connection with Hanuman. I think we don't even make the connection with you cut out the <laughs> it's like a magic phrase that all ghosts are afraid of. There's no good reason given why ghosts are afraid of Ram versus let's say Krishna. But it's it's in a, it's 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 like it's the cross and garlic thing. Why garlic of all things against vampires? Why not potatoes? I don't know. But um but but that was the thing. And so now added to that is Mamata Banerjee. Mamata Banerjee just goes ballistic whenever somebody uh, says the word Ram in front of her. And it, it again, I unlike what BAP likes to say that this this just goes to show what an anti-Hindu person she is, that you know you cannot mention the word Ram. No, I get it, but come on. The reason why this because is because it's a slogan of the BJP. I don't think she's opposed to Ram per se. I mean, nobody is. He's not insane in that respect. But the fact is that this has become a slogan to troll her. And the problem with Mamata Banerjee is that she's inherently an extremely intolerant person with very strong fascist tendencies. All through her life, she has been in opposition. She's never ruled. For most of her life, she was opposition. So she didn't have to tolerate any dissent. Dissent, unfortunately, tolerating dissent, unfortunately, is one of the bad things about being in power. That's when you're expected to tolerate dissent. When you're opposition, you have no obligation to. So she was opposition for most of her life. And then she, when she became the person in power, there was no opposition against her at that point of time. So for the first time in her life, in her life, she is facing a strong opposition um, when she is in power. She's faced strong opposition before, but when she was the opposition and the opposition was in power. So the grammar then is very different. She was the underdog at that point of time. Now she is not the underdog, but she has to pretend to be the underdog. 
and it's you know magazines you know tell te- newspapers like telegraph which allow her to maintain that facade of being an underdog despite her controlling the police and the administrative apparatus inside the state and essentially for in large places running essentially a very very fascist rule um but she still has to pretend and and the fact is she cannot tolerate even the mildest form of criticism you know she her car drives past and some people shout jai shri ram and she stops the car and gets them arrested now i understand it's not jai shri ram they're shouting they're shouting jai bjp okay even if they do that she cannot get them arrested again this is the kind of thing which did not happen under the cpm if there was only one good thing about the buddhadev bhattacharyas of the world and there was buddhadev bhattacharya for for the last two or three years of his chief ministership faced black flags and taunts everywhere he went because of nandigram from mamata banerji and her people and not once did he arrest anyone for that no he didn't not once did he hop out of his car and start shouting and abusing people even though he had a reputation of being a hothead this was not something which people did okay when a chief minister drives by and some people are raising slogans of the opposing party it is it is expected that that is going to happen when you become a chief minister you sign on for this you cannot then stop the car and say hey who's it who's it come out come out michael alo to nikalo bahar you cannot do that you can do that if you're an opposition you cannot do that if you're chief minister if you're the prime minister you cannot do that so mamata banerji had again has of course crossed the line and this is a very emotional thing because she's just not used to the fact this is this is essentially the khaleesi syndrome again we had discussed this before but this is the khaleesi syndrome that she is now for the first time realizing i mean she has deluded herself into believing that people love her when a large part of it is actually fear but now she's seeing that that's actually not true people are not afraid of her anymore or two they just don't care for her and now she's resorting she's falling back to fear she's basically unleashing the you know she's basically calling dracaris at this point of time to the administration which she controls I and mean, she doesn't have a dragon but she has you know her full administration and the fire of that administration she's now calling and in a very very petty way and again she's losing the story she's big time losing the story the thing with mamata banerji is that she had an ambition to be the prime minister of india that is not going to happen ever she should realize what she's doing right now she's permanently permanently killing off any chance that she would perhaps in 10 years who knows what happens in 5 years 5 years is a long time in politics that maybe a mahagathbandhan might work who knows but the way she's coming off across as even her own fellow travelers okay her own fellow mahagathbandhan people will be wary of making her the prime minister if this is the way she reacts to some five people shouting something while her car where a motorcade with her official security drives past okay if this right i mean one of the yeah on, one of the oldest parenting advice which we get even which i have passed on to my daughter is if somebody is trying to tease you the best way to put an end to it is not react uh, she is essentially by uh, you know you know getting trolled isn't she enabling uh, that and, and ensuring that more of such incidents are going it's to happen it's a, it's a le- doesn't she know that it's that level of immaturity you know the level of immaturity that comes out you know this is not something you said look at the way jalalita reacts to you know that line of questioning from karan thapar okay that is the way to do it she she her muscles her facial muscles don't move 
Okay. She comes back at him hard. She doesn't like, he doesn't just, just like let in or just say yes, 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 sir. No, she comes back at him real hard. I think he comes back at him unfairly. And then what she's saying doesn't make sense. You know, Chikarin Thapur says, you're corrupt. And she says, well, if I was corrupt, people wouldn't have voted for me. That's not the logic. Okay. You know, people could vote for you even if you're corrupt. But she comes back at him. And it's he who crumples. That's leadership. I mean, that's what people expect. When people go to vote, people vote for, hey, is this person somebody who they're thinking in their mind a king or queen? That's what they're thinking. Okay. Is this person somebody who can stare down people? They're not somebody who gets riled up like this. It takes them this to rile them up. It, they cannot, that person cannot be a leader in anybody's mind. Okay. That mind can inspire fear in a state like Bengal which is dysfunctional to the extreme in terms of its violent political culture and in terms of its, its, its climate of, you know, of, of basically rolling over in, in favor of that, of the person who rules. So there is really no opposition in Bengal. It is Bengal politics has been dominated by the lack of opposition for years. There was no opposition to the CPM. Then Mamata Banerjee kind of cobbled together some feeble opposition, which became strong after Nandigram. So it took, a rather weak chief minister like Buddhadev Bhattacharya. I mean, weak as in he didn't have that that ruthless that ruthless fascist streak that Jyoti Basu had. Uh, it took him. It took him. It took him to you know it took that kind of rule for Mamata Banerjee to get her foot in the door. And I, I think what Mamata Banerjee is now is afraid of is that somehow she's become like Buddhadev Bhattacharya. She wants to be like Jyoti Basu, but somehow she's become like Buddhadev Bhattacharya, and that. The opposition are now at her gates and rather than, you know, kind of stepping back and trying to re-gauge her strategy, she is given in to very instantaneous, very instantaneous, unthought, unthoughtful, I would say. And nobody in Bengal, I'm pretty sure there are level-headed people in TMC who know that what she's doing is wrong, but they just don't have the ability and the strength to look a fascist in the eye and tell her, no, you cannot do this. You cannot throw people into jail for saying Jai Sri Ram. You cannot throw people into jail for circulating a cartoon of you where they put your face on Priyanka Chopra is a Met Gala dress. You cannot do this. You cannot do this if you are trying to attack Modi for being a fascist. You cannot do something which is doubly fascist. You lose the story. Okay, Things like uh, Sharada scam don't matter to people. Everybody in India, other than, you know, people on social media, know that there is a base level of corruption everywhere and that politics is not immune from it, that people are going into politics to make money. Everybody knows that. So there's no expectation of zero corruption from anyone. It's only when your corruption crosses a certain level and Mamata Banerjee's corruption, TMC's corruption has never crossed that level. It has always stayed on the lower end. So it is not corruption. I guess many people like to claim that it's getting them into trouble. No, it is not corruption. That is not the problem. They have it so much. So does everybody else. The BJP has it even more than they do. That is not the problem. And if corruption was a problem, then Mukul Roy, who's the biggest, who's the biggest accused in Shabada scam, is BJP's number one person there. So obviously, if that corruption was an issue, then they would have lost votes, right? If they haven't. So that just goes to show that corruption is not a problem. Right. So nobody cares for it. So again, if this... One of the things that really came out of Mamata Banerjee's meltdown was, you know, again, she, she was not, this was not, in the chief minister should always choose her words to be strategic. She's not a, she's not a person. She's, she has a role, 
but she goes and she says these people from outside right so as i've said before that much of tmc is soft bengali parochialism they like to pretend that it's not but it's there and now this the stuffing is really coming out now it's coming up now they're saying it and it's 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 absolutely hilarious to watch our bengali intellectuals just turning their blind eye to this kind of xenophobia just looking the other way there's not a word of condemnation that a chief minister of a state is essentially drawing a line between people who speak bengali and people who don't how does she know they're outsiders yes they don't they're not speaking in bengali we get it but there are a lot of people who are legitimate residents of the state and this coming from from a state whose so many citizens so many citizens of the state are themselves immigrants in other places in the world and in india because of the lack of industry it just it just smacks of supreme hypocrisy to be anti outsiders when so many bengalis are outsiders in bangalore and hyderabad and in delhi because there are no jobs in calcutta unless you are a government servant or unless there's this is when i say that, a lot of people tell me they write to me arnab you don't stay in calcutta how do you know there are no jobs of course there are jobs in calcutta there are jobs in calcutta because you know in a big city like calcutta there always be some companies okay there will always be some companies to sustain the local economy and they will have some their own administration so there are jobs for mbas there are some jobs nobody says there aren't any jobs but there aren't jobs for the doers there aren't jobs for engineers there aren't jobs for manufacturing there aren't real jobs all the jobs that exist basically are management types jobs just to get the work done but not in producing things that doesn't exist in calcutta anymore that's why people have to go outside to work and so you know we the, we should be the last persons who should be raining down on outsiders given how many how many of us are outsiders ourselves including the person talking to you right now so i was just you know the i was just aghast at you know what i had speculated i was speculated when i knew that, that she's actually saying this and nobody is a condemning it in the bengali press and second is that none of the tmc second rung of leaders are saying you maybe shouldn't be saying that given that you know you really do want those guys to vote for you right and another thing i should say again i love to say i told you so because i get so many things wrong otherwise is that one of the things that trinamul that mamata banerji is now doing is he's saying that we will have to find out the traitors now, this is classic fascist speak okay when you start finding out traitors whether they exist or not but what she means by traitors are trinamul congress people who she believes rightfully so have voted for the bjp i, I said this in one of the, my podcasts that this isn't the knife thing is it's the left vote it's not the left vote i mean a significant portion might be the left vote but the what has been left has been appropriated by tmc for a long time it could be that these people were originally left and they were inside tmc because they were scared of doing anything else but there are sections within the tmc who aren't tmc anymore i mean mukul roy was a case in point so now there is an enormous purge going inside tmc trying to find out who were the ones who basically turned who were the inside who are the inside men and women inside tmc and so they're basically mamata banerji basically trying to eat away at her own party this is sign of advanced paranoia and i'm not saying she's wrong she's possibly right there are traitors inside the tmc they're not traitors actually 
they're just people who and they you know, the same thing with bjp right there are there are people like yashwant sinha but at least yashwant sinha and arun shori has the ability to speak up okay they can speak up and still hope to live in this country they you cannot speak up nobody in tmc can speak up against mamata banerji to the extent that a shatrugan sinha has done i mean the worst thing that can ever happen to them is that they will not get their mp ship right that's the worst that has happened to them with with with, with mamata banerji it's not that it's much worse can happen to you and everybody knows that which is why she's surprised now and she shouldn't be that that there's so many people inside the tmc who are basically playing for the other side and again it's it's regrettable but i can say that i kind of told you so okay so i would like to uh, kind of conclude today with two two recommendations one a very mild recommendation and one a very strong recommendation so today i went to see godzilla 2 with my daughter so uh for those of you who so if i had gone to see it alone i would have possibly hated it but i really loved it because i had gone to see it with my 6 year old daughter and so i was able to see it in the way i would see it if i was 6 years old and please see godzilla 2 like if you were 6 years old if you try to see it as if you were 7 years old you're going to hate it but if you're 6 if you could if you do have the eyes of a 6 year old and lower you're going to love it because i loved it because i saw it like my daughter okay she was so excited she was she was sitting in the next seat she was literally jumping on top of me every time one of the monsters came out and say said will godzilla die will godzilla die so she was very excited and it is it is an absolutely brainless there's the two parts of the movie one is where monsters fight monsters and then there's the part which nobody understood my daughter didn't understand that part even i didn't understand that part there was something there was another story going on with humans which nobody you know gave a effort but there's some amazing scenes of monsters you know fighting monsters and it's it's definitely if if you have a child uh, it's very kid safe okay it's very very kid safe this whole movie does not have even anything which which you know it's very very g in everything so you it's absolutely safe to take kids and there's a part of it which is about a divorce and this child and nobody cares for that story nobody even understands what's going on and that story is about like 40% of the movie but 60% of the movie is just monsters throwing lightning bolts at each other that's it and that's insanely fun i would recommend that but again don't go with high expectations and don't go expect watching a movie see it like a 6 year old would see gigantic beings on a big screen and of course only on a big screen do not see this at home okay and definitely not on a mobile screen this it, i cannot believe how terrible it would be uh, if you saw it like that i saw it on i mean basically an imax i see it then it was fun so the second thing which i would again strongly recommend is one of the i don't know how to put it some of the crowning achievement of television I'm not going to say even you know last few years and might be even ever is chernobyl so chernobyl you'll get on hbo i think in india you can get it on hotstar so, yep it's on hotstar so chernobyl is just one amazing tv series i mean again my vocabulary of english is limited which is why i have to fall back on the word amazing uh it's it's not just about a meltdown of a nuclear plant i mean that is it's about as close to true life horror as you can get i mean if you likes to watching zombie apocalypse movies well this is basically essentially follows exactly that that 
the thing which you love about a zombie apocalypse movie this has all of it only difference is this is 100% true and this has happened before so th- that that makes it all the more scary and it's not just about an industrial disaster it's about the disaster of a totalitarian communist state it is about what actually leads to something like chernobyl so um i don't want to spoil it for you but i'll just give one small example um so one of the things that dr amartya sen uh, before he became before i i believe in, in dr amartya sen wrote an absolutely horrible op-ed in new york times it's not really what he said but the style of writing it looked like navjot sidhu wrote it or somebody i mean i couldn't believe that it was dr amartya sen who's a very good writer i sincerely hope he somebody goes wrote that that thing but before he became a political person before when he was an academic i think one of his one of his you know defining contributions was that he said that one of the reasons why famines happen is because it doesn't so much happen because of a lack of resources that it happens because the state stops the flow of information that um local officials in order to avoid sanctions or to avoid accountability for famines and the lack of movement of food they tend to suppress the fact so everybody up the decision chain gets the wrong facts and so they take wrong decisions based on that which in which basically makes the problem even worse and that one of the ways to prevent famines is to have free flow of information and to have a free media and we have seen that in india you know with kalahandi and other places that we've never really had a famine of the kind that we used to have in the 1940s when the british used to control all modes of communication and so that was one of his and so if, this the chernobyl is an example of precisely that i mean it is terrible when a nuclear core melts there's there's no two ways about it i mean this is about as terrible a thing that can ever happen in this world but it is made so much like million times worse by people then lying about it by trying to suppress what has happened by making sure that things don't leak out i mean so i'll come back to this example so one of the in 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 uh in this in the story when the first nuclear reactor when the leak happens uh the 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 the, the communist party they say how much radiation has gone out so this guy says 3.6 ohms and they say oh, that's not a lot that's because the meter can't read above it that nobody tells them that's the range of the meter so once you know somebody says let's get bigger meters the meters like 10000 runs and they start basically blowing out because it's even a, above that and at one point of time the soviet government they ask for like robots to clean the debris because no human being can go there it's so radioactive that people will basically die within 90 seconds it's that radioactive and so they get and so so they bring this robot from uh, from germany and so the place where they're operating it it is 10000 ronjen but they bring this robot and they say this robot can work in that level of radiation and within one second it's dead and so the the guys wonder what happened to it and they realize that the government has actually told the world that the worst they have is 2000 ronjen so that's what they got because they the even at that point of time with with them on the like the precipice of like 
millions dying at that point of time and they were ultimately they were able to contain it but they were able to contain it from and you have to see it the kind of heroism that common people show you know for the greater good basically sacrificing their lives knowing fully well what is going to happen to them to actually go in and clean that stuff up some of it was because they were scared of the totalitarian state that's also true but many of them knew i mean ultimately what's going to happen you can shoot me there or you can i can die of cancer but there's so many people who basically gave their lives to save europe um and it's a tale of amazing heroism uh, it, it shows the best of humanity as well as the worst of humanity and i loved it because the hero is a scientist um and i mean all, all the heroes are scientists there and all the bad guys aren't so uh it's 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 a tremendous and it's just not and i'm i'm i i my words cannot do justice to as to how good it is in terms of not only how tense uh beautifully shot how authentic it is and i wouldn't know how authentic it is but i was looking at like people from russia discussing how authentic it was people who were there at that point of time who used to stay in places is that it was every detail is so pitch perfect in terms of how the houses are because in those days the communist government they made houses for everyone so it was all state housing so the exact way state houses used to be they got that pitch perfect in the 80s uh, they've done a lot of research in into getting that perfect and so the and people from russia were saying how accurate it's it, it was everything about it was um i strongly strongly recommend that you watch chernobyl it is it is maybe might be one of one of the if not the best tv series ever made and i don't say that lightly because it's not because it's true and secondly it is that the makers you know for me a work of art is something which goes which transcends its source so if you make um anything on the chernobyl disaster which is just about chernobyl then it might be very good but it's not legendary or epic but if you make something about chernobyl which is about chernobyl true but it is also about the communist state about the dangers of having you know a totalitarian uh state where everybody spies on everybody where uh the state is into everybody's life it is not it's a cautionary tale of of what happens when in an alternate history kanhaiya wins and you know their form of government becomes a form of government you see how dysfunctional uh that kind of government i don't i don't think you have to look that far arnab i mean we had uh, bhopal no, no, we have kanhaiya winning but it is it is so much different than first first of all first of all in terms of i i i don't want to trivialize bhopal but in terms of what actually happened in terms of the potential impact chernobyl far outweighs what happened at bhopal because of the fact that it's uranium 235 okay so Uh, as they said that because of the half life of uranium 235 it would be 240000 years before that place is inhabitable again okay so just the very nature and because of it's not just a chemical which in gopal which ultimately will dissipate with effects but will dissipate the fact is this is basically altering the very structure of matter there this is atomic level atomic level breakdown of the place so this is far far more <laughs> dangerous scary um and in bhopal at least there was the flow of information we knew in india what had happened official figures was that 31 people died 31 only in, in that 
and so much of the decisions that were made i mean this was this was a superpower okay so they so you see the number of helicopters they put in and i when i see it i knew that if something like this happened in india even today we would not have this amount of resources that the ussr of those days had i mean this is a superpower okay but even though it's a superpower because there is no free press the information that people are acting on is just wrong so when it happens every line every stage of the management there are like gazillion stages of management bureaucrats all of them oh it's perfectly fine nothing bad has happened there was this is there's this amazing scene in which uh this guy who's the chief engineer says you know sir this thing cannot happen the nuclear reactors just don't burst and immediately he starts vomiting it's it's funny and bizarre in a black comedy which is nothing's happened work and he vomits because the because he's burned inside from radiation so you know, this this is what happens in a place where where there is no flow of information i would still say that india i mean india in the 80s india today is was a far far better far you know better place and more functional place than what they show ussr was at that point of time even though we are we were never a superpower we are not a superpower we are nowhere close to what ussr was at its prime but this again i strongly beseech you to see this because we have a very wrong idea of what ussr was based on them education that at least i got growing up in a communist state that you know ussr was the land of milk and honey and you know everybody earns the same amount of money and it's okay sure there are some limitations in your freedom of speech but ultimately you have to sacrifice something for the greater good blah 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 you see chernobyl and you realize what a hell hole it actually was even though people look like they're much happier than in india everybody has a house everybody is well dressed nobody seems to be that poor but nobody seems to be rich either nobody seems to be happy and everybody seems to live in this you know abject fear there's this fear of everyone that like again i don't want to spoil this but every place where the scientists while they're investigating and while they're spending then basically they're dying by being there they know that they're basically sacrificing their lives they still have kgb watching them all the time everywhere because they're afraid that they're traitors and they will tell the us what's actually going on that these people are more concerned about the image of their country than you know saving lives and they don't care they just this the only focus is let people not know what has happened here that is their primary thing you know you have to see it to see what how deep the malaise goes when you have a communist totalitarianism and some of it is a critique of totalitarianism in itself but much of it is because of the way the communist system worked you know the way the party you know every the 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 party was inside every the power plant has a party representative so it's a representative of the party there's the government and there's there's the party and you see the you see, they they they're they together and we grew up in bengal this was exactly the way it was you know every the, the trade unions that we had there of course we had jute mills we didn't have nuclear power plants and thank goodness for that the jute mills don't exist of course was that the party was there so much inside them that nothing could ever function and you could see over here what happens when you know at least we had the same thing we had a jute mill what happens when you have the party in a in a nuclear power plant of that size you know what disaster happens as a result of it again please 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 see it strongly strongly recommend it not 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 just because of the scientific part of it but if you're interested in politics which i pretty pretty presume that the 
that the that the people who listen to this podcast are definitely interested in politics you have to see it for the politics if for nothing else if you like horror also you love it because this is true horror but it's also because of its politics amazing and again limitations of my vocabulary i can't think of a better word all right uh, that's our show for today i think that's a wrap and uh, we've covered a lot from cricket to politics to movies and tv so uh, as i mentioned last time do us a solid and recommend this podcast to your uh, family and friends heck i would say even recommend it to folks you don't really like well uh, who knows this might be the common thread that you know brings about a beautiful friendship between you both and which forges for a lifetime or 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 <laughs> anyway or, or or finally breaks all pretense of liking each other <laughs> also as good as absolutely that. it's a win win yes. um, and if you have any interesting stories which you have you know while recommend this while recommending this podcast to somebody like uh, arnab said maybe it, uh, it that's a straw that br- uh, breaks the camel's back and you get an arch enemy for life or maybe you get a, a forge of friendship just tell us and you know we'll feature your story right here maybe you can even uh, come on the podcast for uh, as a guest and uh, write in to us at appodcast@talkingstuff.net or you can even simpler just send us a whatsapp message on our number that's 9652578833 that's 9652578833 if you are outside india remember to add a plus 91 as a country code for india so uh, that's it for this week uh, and uh, until next time take care okay all right thanks a lot everyone